please exhale. And now let's begin. Welcome to the Science of Light. I'm your host, Rosemary. If you're interested in exploring holistic wellness topics through a perspective that blends spirituality with science, I think you've found the right place. And I'm so grateful that you're here. Let's figure out this life thing together. Always keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Hello, and welcome back to the Science of Light. I am thrilled to be back. This is the first of several interviews coming your way. Um, today, I'm really glad to be releasing this one first because it is it really, I think, embodies my intention for this podcast, which is to highlight you know, folks that are vulnerably sharing their story about how they ended up in their life's work that is very aligned to, you know, usually some hard stuff in life. And, you know, we all go through things and resilience is about how we handle them, how we come out the other side, living our dharma. You know, our dharma is something that is aligned for us that the world also needs. And I think you know, we can all find that if you're not already there, um, or if you are already sort of on that path, it, it helps to have reassurance and here and still fun to hear other people's stories. So this episode is a perfect embodiment of that. I think I got to interview Laurel Brennan, the founder of Root Causeology, which is her practice where she helps women optimize their brain health and reduce dementia risks by addressing the root causes um, and creating therapeutic partnerships to create a holistic lifestyle to prevent brain, you know, dementia, brain ill health. So I think this is a very um, important topic. I hardly know anybody in my personal life who has not been impacted by dementia in some way by a family member or loved one. Um, and it just, brain health is so important for all of us. You know, we're at this point, like medically we can make our bodies live forever, but sometimes, you know, maybe the brain deteriorates before the body or the vice versa. Anyway, we talk so much about her story and how she ended up in the work and, um, you know, she shares very vulnerably. It's a captivating story and there's so many little nuggets of wisdom about, you know, sort of what yoga therapy is, how it works. Um, she does occupational therapy, but I do yoga therapy. So, um, kind of similar, uh, and just a lot of nuggets of wisdom in this episode. I really hope you enjoy it and make sure you're subscribed if you aren't already because I'm going to have some cool new episodes coming out. I am getting back to it. It's been a rough ride coming back from maternity leave, but here we are. I've got some great stuff in the works for you all. And thanks so much for being here. Um, yeah, without further ado, let's get to it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Science of Light. I'm Rosemary and today I'm joined by Laurel Brennan. Hi, Laurel. Hi, Rosemary. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm really glad you're here and I can't wait to learn about what you do and I'm really excited about it. I have a ton of questions. So quick introduction, um, which I, folks hearing this will have already heard your longer introduction before this, but 
Uh, Laurel is an occupational therapist, also a registered yoga teacher, uh, founder of Root Causeology, um, and I'm really excited to dive into more of what all that means and what you do. So could you tell us what you do and kind of how you arrived at doing that? Yeah. Do you want the short story or the long story? The long story. I love okay. the long story. Okay. Um, I'm a psychology major, so I, I am a people lover. I like the long story too. So I'm glad you yeah. said that. <clears throat> so, um, well, we just discovered a, a connection. So I'll start with our connection. Okay. Your aunt taught at Roanoke College, which yeah. is where I went to undergrad. And I, like I mentioned, I was a psychology major. I'm a, I'm a lover of people. Um, and it wasn't until I was halfway through college that I even found out what occupational therapy was. And once I did, I knew that that was my passion. Could you explain a little bit what it is? Yeah. Um, it sort of blends, um, it, people hear the word occupation and they think that it must relate to profession or jobs, but really it connects to the the occupation of living. Mm. So what you do every day, your meaningful activities. And so an occupational therapist would help somebody optimize their, their physical, their cognitive, um, their environmental surroundings to do what it is that they want to do in life. Mm. So I might see somebody after a stroke or after a car accident, you can work um, in pediatrics or geriatrics. My focus initially was um, in mental health and then moved to geriatrics. So um, continuing down that road, I was kind of just health focused in general or what I thought was healthy. (laughs) I was a vegetarian, but in hindsight, I was a very bad vegetarian. Like, you know, I, um, I was part of the fat free craze. So you're, you're much younger than me. So you didn't live through this space, but like in the eighties and nineties, there was a big push for fat free. So as long as I was eating fat free cookies and fat-free pretzels, I was good, right? <laughs> so, yeah. And that um, still lingers in That was in kind culture. of my... For sure. It does. It does. So um, unknowingly, I was slowly doing myself damage mm. um, by, by not having adequate vitamin D, by not having adequate B vitamins, by not having adequate fats. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, fast forward 10 years of that. Um, and then we lived in Scotland for two years, Ooh. my husband, and at that time, our two children. And there's no, not no, very little sunlight. It has kind mm. of a, um, I've never been to Seattle, but I hear it's kind of like Seattle, right. you know, 60 degrees and, and rainy most of the time. So I was extensively breastfeeding both Mm -hmm. kids. I was not supplementing with, because I was assuming that I had a good enough diet and I didn't need to supplement. And I was living in a, in a place where I was not making vitamin D because there was little sunlight and I was not, my skin wasn't exposed. So 
after we returned from Scotland, I was in a kind of a high stress environment. We returned to my parents' house because my mom had dementia and we were coming back to help. Uh And about, mm, about three months after we arrived back, I started getting some weird symptoms. I had tingling and numbness in half of my torso. Uh And when I would work out, my legs would fall asleep. And when I would stretch after my workout and kind of drop my chin to my chest, like if I was reaching forward to do like a hamstring Mm -hmm. stretch, I would get like a zing of um, tingling and numbness through my whole body. And I knew from what I knew in occupational therapy training that that wasn't a good sign. Um, But it was actually neck pain that sent me to the doctor. Um, so they ruled out Lyme and they ruled out pernicious anemia, which is a B12 deficiency. And they, she sent me to a neurologist and they did a series of tests, which were not fun at all. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Actually, the MRI was the easiest, um, of those. Um, the spinal tap was the lumbar puncture, not fun. I had a, um, reaction where my spinal fluid was leaking out. And so I had to be horizontal for about a month. So I'd crawl to the bathroom and I'd eat lying down and not a whole lot of fun. And all of that um, resulted in a diagnosis of multiple sclerosis. So could you explain a little bit more about what that um, entails, that diagnosis? Yeah. So... um, At that point, they've actually changed the definition of multiple sclerosis. But at that point, they said it was a progressive neurological disease um, where the the myelin sheath that covers the nerve slowly deteriorates, basically. Mm -hmm. It was was like a doomsday diagnosis. And I had just with like in that last month, I had bumped into my childhood gymnastics coach who was, you know, the epitome of fitness. When I was a child, he could walk on his hands forever. We used to have contests and he was in a motorized wheelchair from MS. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, you know, with a special van with hand controls. And so that was right in my Mm -hmm. mind. My first patient when I was uh, training as an occupational therapist had MS and was in a wheelchair. So that was the fear in my mind. Um, Yeah. So it was pretty scary. And um, my husband, you know, my husband out of love (laughs) bought me this book that was called what to expect, expect in your first year of MS. And as I was reading through that, it was written by a patient with MS and a doctor. It was a collaboration. And the two things that stood out that I'll share are um, what to do if you suddenly go blind while you're driving. Oh, there was a chapter about that. Wow. What, what to do if you're, um, if you lose continence while making love. <laughs> They really thought like, of everything, didn't oh they? Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> cover all the bases. So man. you can imagine, like, 
Oh. And my husband was um, teaching at Towson University at the time. And one of his co-workers' sister had MS. And she he asked if she would talk to me. And she called me. We had a great conversation. She said, throw that book away. That's, that is not how it is for everybody. You know, my sister's doing great. She just has to minimize stress. Um, and her sister, I I think she worked in television. So she had like a high stress job with deadlines on camera. And, um, but she had been hospitalized multiple times and was having trouble walking. So that was scary. And, um, after I could, you know, after the month of being horizontal and I was able to be vertical again and, and take my kindergartner to the bus stop, I bumped into a, a neighbor and she's like, you know, where you been, what's going on? And I shared my story and she Thank God. She's like my angel. She shared, well, I know that MS and autism aren't the same thing, but my kids, she had two and um, were being treated for autism. One was not in school yet. One was like a first grader. And she said, we found this nutritionist who has like turned our life around and my kids are doing really well and maybe you want her name. And so... I, you know, saved up my money because she wasn't covered by insurance and I went to her. So in this time frame, I had been to multiple neurologists, one like basic neurologist and one like MS specialist at, at the University of Maryland. And he confirmed the diagnosis. And basically I was in a waiting game with my insurance company because mm. the medication that, um, that I had decided that I guess I was going to take um, was like $16,000 a year. Whoa. And I had to go through some multi-level approval process. Um, so, but I really didn't want to take the medication. I was not a medication person. I, I had had two natural childbirths. Right. Like I didn't, I didn't, I don't take an Advil for a headache. So this was like against my values, right. but I, I didn't really know what to do. Um, so while I'm waiting to see if my insurance is going to cover this medication, I went to the nutritionist and I left that four hour appointment, like a new person, like I have hope I can exhale, you know, I can, there are things that I can do. So I, I stopped becoming vegetarian like uh, overnight. Wow, okay. Um, stopped. I started. Yeah, that that was an interesting transition. Um, and but I slowly added meat back in. I tested for heavy metal toxicity. I um, gave up gluten and dairy. Those were. I just looked at my diet and looked at what was causing inflammation, mm-hmm. and when I went back for a follow-up appointment with the second neurologist at the university of Maryland, I told him what I was doing and could I hold off on the meds? He said at that point, it was very new in the literature, but there was something called benign MS where maybe there was one episode and you know, it wouldn't come back 
he said, well, why don't we wait a year and see what happens? Hmm. So I got permission, you know, from, from the doc. And then that was in 2006 and I've not been back to the neurologist. (laughs) I, I, it wasn't, it wasn't my, my place of wellness. It was a place of stress. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. And I actually, I think made the mistake of telling the state of Maryland when last time I went for renewal of my driver's license, cause they ask a bunch of questions about, do you have any of these diagnoses? Uh. And I checked the box that I had MS and, um, the next time I had to get renewed, I had to have verification that I was safe to drive and I don't have a neurologist. So my primary care doctor signed the forms and the state of Maryland waived the, what was typical and they accepted it for this year. But next in, within two years, I have, I'm required to go to a neurologist to get verification that I'm safe to drive. Wow. So whatever, yeah. <laughs> but I'm I'm more than safe to drive. Yeah. Um, I'm a yoga teacher. I'm yeah. So yoga was part of my journey. I know you're a yoga teacher mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this podcast is like. Are you a yoga teacher? Rosemary? I am. And this podcast is kind of mostly through a yoga lens. Like when I do solo episodes, it's usually about something yoga philosophy related. But. Um, I love hearing because yoga is so holistic. I'm like, I love hearing the holistic version of people's life stories. And if yoga fits into that, cool. You know, that's nice. It's a nice little touch point. But um, yeah, I just love the holistic. It does. View. It does fit yeah. in. <laughs> it does fit into my journey very so much. So, you know, that, that year of fear. Yeah. That year of fear. Um, I, when we came back from Scotland, this is what I always would do when I went to a new community. I find a gym and I work there so I don't have to pay to to work out. So I was working at, working at the Y Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, um, teaching some, you know, cardio classes and kickboxing. And so I was like, well, let me try some yoga. I had dabbled in yoga a little bit before and actually not I had multiple bad experiences where the yoga teacher hurt me or the Mm. yoga teacher was very kind of harsh in their language. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd had two good experiences with yoga enough to make me try and, and know that it really just depends on the teacher. Yeah. So I tried it at the Y and it was like really focused on safety and alignment. So that's as an occupational therapist, the anatomy and, um, kinesiology piece that was really safe was very appealing. And after taking yoga regularly for like a year, I realized one day that I had only thought about yoga for like what I was doing in that present moment for like a full minute. (laughs) And that to me was like life changing. Like I wasn't running through my mind with the worries. Um, 
Like I used to be kind of neurotic about lining up my mat perfectly with the wood on the floor. Like it couldn't be askew. Uh (laughs) And it got to the point where I was like, I can, I can be okay if my yoga mat moves in the middle of the class. I don't have to line it up perfect. I can just breathe and enjoy it. And so after about a year, I decided I, I think I'm going to try this as a teacher because I want to know more. And that was the beginning of my yoga journey. I did it very, very slowly. I took actually eight years to get certified. (laughs) So I would take a class and another class and another class And part of my training was required to reach out to a community that would not necessarily have access to yoga. Mm -hmm. So um, karma, karma yoga. And that's where I started. I started teaching at the Boys and Girls Club. And, you know, now all this time later, I'm absolutely loving yoga as a a teacher and a student. And it's a big piece of... um, my personal life, but also what I use now as an occupational therapist. And um, my latest professional journey is is functional medicine. Uh So I use it for my functional medicine and health coaching clients. I use it um, in occupational therapy. um, And I, I like it when people, you know, will say, oh, I can't do yoga because I'm not flexible mm-hmm. <laughs> or I can't do yoga because my, my mind is like too scattered. Right. I can't, can't focus. meditate because of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. So I just, you know, like to share that really yoga can be for anyone. Right. I have done yoga with, um, with, NFL players after a leg amputation and NFL players after a back surgery and 91 year old grandmothers after a hip replacement, you know, there, you can always find what is just right for that person. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's been a, a big piece of, of like I said, the professional and personal journey. Yeah. Well, and like, it's so yeah. much more than just the physical practice. I think that's one of the things I'm trying to highlight with this podcast is that yes, there is magic in a postural yoga class, even at the Y, like I teach at the Y now, I probably will always teach at the Y because the Y fits into my yoga story too. And so it just, mm. it feels important to me to continue to share that. And there mm. is magic in the gym yoga postural classes, you know, of where we just feel a little more at ease. Like you said, that that's been my experience too. That's been so many the experience of so many people I talk to. And I, I think, yeah, it's like it, you can find postures that work for those folks that might have extreme mobility concerns, but then also that's only one out of eight limbs. And there's so many other yoga practices to help find peace and ease in life. Yeah. I just love that. Right. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. So do you want me to keep telling this? Yeah. This journey? Take us on the journey. I guess the story continues. Yeah. Take us <laughs> okay. on the whole journey because I think that's what like all along the way we can all see like 
pieces that we might relate to, even if the particulars of our stories are different, you know, just like, like finding that magic in yoga and other things like that. So yeah, take us on the journey. Let's meander. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, I, I was doing well with MS and, um, we decided to have another child because that, that was part of my fear. Like, you know, maybe I shouldn't have more Mm. kids because I don't know what my health is going to be like. So our kids are now, um, 22 and 19 and 10. So we have a big gap. And, um, so we were living with my parents, um, initially when we came back from Scotland and my mom at that point was sort of early in her dementia, Mm -hmm. but was, um, kind of paranoid. And we'd realized that it would be better for us to be close, but not in the same Mm -hmm. house. Um, so we stayed close, but moved out. Um, but mostly because I was, I was really focused on looking at every single area that might have contributed to my MS. Mm -hmm. And part of what I was concerned about was the actual house that I grew up in and that I was, had moved back to Mm -hmm. and the potential, the contamination from lead paint. And I wanted to like, you know, change the cleaners and my mom was getting frustrated. Like, you know, I don't, this is my house. Mm -hmm. You can't tell me what to do. And my mom and I had had always had an amazing relationship and all of a sudden because of the dementia, there was this tension, Mm. like she would forget that the reason that I want to use vinegar instead of Clorox was because I have MS now. Right. And this can contribute to, you know, issues. So after I moved out, um, well, I guess it was in that process. I can't remember the exact timeline, but, um, she decided that because I was doing so well, maybe she should try some of the things that I was doing because, um, yeah, very cool. And so she got diagnosed with dementia in 2003, but 1983, um, her health significantly declined when she got a heart infection, myocarditis. Mm. And then for, five plus years. Um, she was actually on a heart transplant list. They didn't know what was wrong with her. My dad's a psychologist. And after they, um, you know, went through the whole checklist and said, well, your heart's, you know, doing good enough. The rest of you that these complaints that you have of extreme fatigue and trouble sleeping, this is, this is just depression. Mm. And, she was so frustrated. Like, this is not just depression. Something is wrong with me. And it turned, it took multiple years, but it was a, actually a resident at Hopkins who was searching through the literature and said, Oh, I think you have this new thing called chronic fatigue Mm -hmm. syndrome. Um, and so from 1983 to 2003, she had, inflammation in her body that contributed to this autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. And she was tired and probably six months out of the year, she didn't even get 
dressed during the day. So she would eat breakfast and go back to bed. Um, and so when she tried this same anti-inflammatory diet, which really the only change um, was taking away gluten and dairy. Mm-hmm. We could have done tons more, yeah. but that was sort of where we began. And within like a week, she was completely different, like more better sleeping, um, mental clarity improved, and she wasn't tired. She's like, I don't have to go back to bed after breakfast anymore. And she lived until 2019. The progression of the dementia was very slow. Mm -hmm. She got to the point where she would forget that she didn't eat gluten and dairy and my dad didn't want to fight with her and he would let her eat ice cream when they went out. Right. Um, <laughs> but um, now what I, what I understand and know now we, we could have done a lot more, but what we did did really, really help. Awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, and really extended our time with her. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so after she died in, April 1st, which was, um, was actually a a beautiful death. And my dad and I kind of crack up that she like waited till April 1st. Um, (laughs) like, like her last little, little joke because he kept thinking for like a week that it was the last day. It was the last day. It was the last day. Right. And, um, but it really was, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, have considered being a death doula after the experience because it was so moving and powerful. Um, that's a whole nother podcast. Right. Yeah, (laughs) it could be for sure. Um, Yeah. But, um, at that point I decided I need to do something to, to help other people that are out there going through the same experience because my, my dad and I, we're both, um, you know, professionally experienced in this, you know, with dementia. And we had my older brother as a physical therapist and he helped and we had all this support and we kept thinking, what about all those people out there that don't have the support that we Mm -hmm. have? I bumped into my fifth grade, um, teacher and, she shared her husband was in late stages of Alzheimer's. She was still teaching fifth grade. She would drop him off at an adult daycare, go teach fifth graders all day, come back, pick him up from the adult daycare, give him dinner, tuck him, tuck him into bed. And he had a tendency to wander. Mm -hmm. So she would sleep at the top of the steps to make sure he didn't wander out of the bedroom down the stairs. That was her life. Wow. Yeah. And I, it struck me like, oh my gosh, like there are tons of people out there. So many. Like her. Yeah. um, Like us who were, who were struggling, struggling to take care of family members. Like I have to do something, you know? Yeah. Um, and initially, um, I started like an, an aging in place kind of focus. So as an occupational therapist, we, 
we really, um, one of the areas that we focus on is creating a safe environment. Mm -hmm. And um, what happened with my mom at the end is she fell down the steps and broke her shoulder. Oh, man. Um, And then went to, we had to transition the bedroom from the top floor to the first floor and there was no full bath there. Uh, so trying to keep her clean when she was incontinent was a challenge. Yeah. So she got back-to-back urinary tract infections, was on antibiotics back-to-back-to-back, and then got C. diff. I don't know if you've heard of C. diff. I think so. Not it's fun. Like a gut thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so it's a – everybody – most people have some um, – colostrum difficile bacteria in their gut. But if they have enough good bacteria, it's not really an issue right. after antibiotics and you kill all the good bacteria, then C. diff can take over. Mm-hmm. It's like projectile and contagious diarrhea. It is horrendous. Yeah. So she was so depleted that she actually has had to be hospitalized for fatigue and weakness and dehydration. Mm-hmm. And Fortunately, the previous year, um, we had convinced my dad to put her on a list for a home because we could see the writing on the wall that even with all the supportive family that there was going to come a time where we probably couldn't take care of her at home. So we fortunately had a spot and... Um, at that point we were thinking, well, we'll just send her when she got out of the hospital, we'll send her there for rehab because we're, while we're, she's waiting to build her strength back and recover from the C. diff, we, we need to think about how we're going to rearrange the home. Like, do we need to build a, Mm. what are we going to do to keep her clean and keep her safe? Um, so, um, she fell in rehab on the first day and broke her hip. Oh, no. <laughs> so she had never left. They, um, she spent the last two years there. So of course, all of that is, is playing in my mind. So maybe I, the way I can help is to help people plan ahead when there's somebody at home with dementia, what can we do to set up the house so that things are safe, so we can avoid that fall down mm-hmm. the steps and the not not having a place to bathe on the first floor. Um, you know, just yeah. What can you do to plan ahead? To so that's initially where I started, and then I started hearing. Um, I was a follower of functional medicine. So, f- are, are you familiar with functional medicine as a yeah? Yeah, yeah. I Area of focus. Yeah, I think it's great. I think we need more of that. In fact, like a year ago or so, I just taught a yoga class because a functional medicine conference was held in Asheville, and they just wanted to bring in a local local yoga teacher. So I taught at the conference. Yeah. So and that oh, was cool because I'm you. not That's a awesome. functional medicine practitioner by any means. Like you know, maybe one day, but um, not yet, at least. And um, I got to go to some of the talks, you know, because I was there. And it was, it was cool. I think it's, yeah. So I think it's fantastic. I think more That's medicine awesome. needs to be structured yeah. that way. It was up to me, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. So I was hearing that there was this doctor out there, Dr. Dale Bredesen, um, who was saying that Alzheimer's and dementia can be prevented and reversed. And I was like, what? Via diet, right? (laughs) Because, yeah, well, lots of things. And um, so I learned, I did not know that as an occupational therapist with a license that I can get functional medicine, I can be trained as a functional medicine practitioner. I thought it was only doctors. Mm. Um, And so I went down that road and the, the training that I did, actually, they were encouraging you to, to pick an area of focus. And initially, I actually thought that I would um, help women that were newly diagnosed with MS. And I started you know, doing my market research and joined a, a Facebook group. And it was not good for my mental mm. health. <laughs> it, was, it was really not because a lot of people were talking about all of their all their symptoms, all their problems. I actually got kicked out. I got kicked out of a Facebook group because I mentioned, um, that I was doing really well with MS and that they, people might want to consider this diet. And they're like, this is, this is, that's, they were so against it. Yeah. Um, that I, I literally got kicked out of Facebook group. There was like, 30 or 40,000 people in that group. It's a large culture. And like, I, I'm in, I like, I enjoy Facebook groups. Like I think I'm in several of them and that's the culture I've seen in mom groups because my kids are really small. I have a two-year-old and a almost three month old now. So my kids are really small. So I'm in several mom groups for like my kids because it's really helpful, you know, same kind of thing to get support from people who are kind of in a similar place, have similar stuff going on. Right. Same idea. And like in one pregnancy group I was in, I was at risk for preeclampsia and I found this diet called the Dr. Brewer diet to kind of reverse preeclampsia. And in both pregnancies, I was at risk for preeclampsia and staved it off both times with that diet. And the culture in the large, you know, just the like babies do the same month that I was due groups. Um, was very much the same, same idea. Like, I don't know. It felt like misery loves company kind of thing. You know, like don't yeah. tell us yeah. that there's something you can do. We want to be a victim of our circumstances, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, and I'm like, I'm telling you, but yeah. then also there's this culture that's like, because of, and now my mom's a lawyer, so I can say this because she'll go around saying it because of lawyers <laughs> and being Sue happy and insurance companies, we always have to caveat everything we say with, this isn't medical advice, seek the advice of a medical practitioner, blah, blah, blah. So we don't get sued Mm -hmm. when there's like Mm -hmm. real validity to this stuff, like how powerful diet and lifestyle factors can be. But we have to like cover our own tails, basically, you know, CYA. Anyway, sorry, tangent. I'm really heated about that stuff. (laughs) So that's, you know, that's a good tangent. And, and you hit the nail on the head, like, but it was like, oh, maybe these people aren't my people. And, and also they're stressing me out talking about all of their problems and all of these symptoms that I've never even heard of. And I really don't want to have, and I don't want it to even get in my head. So, um, 
I left but I, I left not by my choice. I was kicked out of that Facebook group and found another yeah. one that was about naturally addressing MS. And I was like, oh, okay, the, these are my people. Um, and then I felt like they actually had a lot of resources. There's Dr. Terry Walls, there's the OMS diet, there's, there's um, over, yeah, the overcoming MS, um, which is, there, I just felt like there's a lot of resources out mm-hmm. there. Maybe my focus really needs to be this prevention and reversal of dementia because n- people are doing There's not that. a lot of resources. And this is like brand yeah. new information. And dementia, I can no. tell you, touches so and many lives. Like it's all in my family, my husband's so family. So many. Like it just, everybody I know almost has a grandma or grandpa, or <sighs> parent, you know, whatever. Yeah. Right. And if you recall the the dates that I mentioned. So my mom in 1983 got that myocarditis, mm-hmm. which she um, believes was caused by her periodontitis. So she had mm, lots of gum yeah. issues and there's a direct connection from plaque, just the, from same the plaque. mouth to the heart and the mouth to the brain. Yep, it's the same plaque in yep. all three places. So yes. So they have um, discovered that brain changes occur 20, maybe even 30 years before symptoms appear. So for my mom, I just realized this, like this, this date, 1983, she got myocarditis, 2003, she was diagnosed with dementia. Mm -hmm. So, um, so my focus is on helping people like you and me who have dementia in their family, Mm -hmm. who have Alzheimer's in their family, like there's stuff we can do, uh, you know, for your kids when they're born. Well, I love that too. (laughs) Yeah. You don't want to wait till you're 60. Because it's felt like a death sentence because like, so my grandma and my great grandma and basically just all the women on my mom's side of the family, like the, the maternal line that I come from all end up with dementia. And I've been like, for me and my mom, I'm like, there's gotta be something we can do. Like science is progressing to the point where we've got to know something now for my mom and I, right? So I know this is a podcast, but I know at one one point you might put this on YouTube. So I'm going to hold up this book so that you can see it. So I'll link it to the end of Alzheimer's program. I can link it in the, um, yeah, that's a great idea. Put it in the show notes. Um, so I'm, almost finished my training, um, to be a health coach through the Apollo health, um, under the Dr. Dale Bredesen. So there's a recode program for a reversal of cognitive decline. Mm-hmm. And there's a pre-code program for prevention of cognitive decline. And it, it just brings together all that I have been doing professionally, personally, like it's just a, you know, a a beautiful blend of, um, the occupational therapy, the yoga, the health coaching, I've done personal training and fitness. It, all of it supports what needs to be done for reversal and prevention of cognitive decline. So I'm excited. I'm excited about, um, how, how I can help people now. So now I finally have all the tools. Yeah. <laughs> it took a while. It does. Yeah. As yeah. any good thing should, I think. 
you know, very steeped in lots of good. So there's my long, tools. long story. Yeah, no, I love that. There's so much wisdom in that. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's great. It's, that's what I aim for on this podcast because I feel like hearing the story, it's like we can all relate to certain pieces at least, if not the whole thing, right? And um, there's a lot of wisdom in finding something that lights you up based on your personal experience, something that lights you up to do in this life, to give back. Like, I just think that's, I spend a lot of time harping on it, like finding your dharma, not just something that's going to help the world, not just something that the world needs, but something that you enjoy. And that usually comes from some kind of personal experience, whether it's just that you loved health. So you got into health stuff and then you found your way down this track based on your own life and circumstances and family and community. And I just think that's, there's so much value in that. And I love highlighting it with examples because I can go around saying it till I'm blue in the face. But when we hear examples from like people's real lives, it's like, you know, not everybody has to go and become a, a cognitive decline specialist for, you know, I don't know if that's like the title, real title, but, um, <laughs> Other, that can hopefully inspire other people to look at their life and things they're good at and things they've been through and how can they address, you know, those issues. Like be the person you needed when you were younger kind of idea, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. So now you combine all this stuff into your work and I know you have – a challenge and some tools on your website for folks. Could you share um, maybe first, like what is your approach in helping people that you help? You know, what's your just in general? Okay. Yeah. So um, I mentioned that my, my background's in psychology and they say that, you know, people go into that field because they, they love people. And that's, that's, I do. Yeah. I like, like, it sounds like kind of like you do as well. Like you like to hear people's stories uh -huh. and, um, I want to emulate the nutritionist who spent four hours mm -hmm. with me and sent me away with hope yeah. and not the, the first, um, neurologist that I went to who, right before he injected me to suck out my cerebral spinal fluid said, Oh, I, I hope you don't get one of those, the, 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 the leaks. That's what he said. Mm, right the bedside he, manner on okay. that one. Law of attraction. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, Oh, Oh, here, here's five vials of your own cerebral spinal fluid. Can you carry them down to the lab? That's how, that's how I left his doctor's office. Yeah. And I imagine he probably um, so I want spent to, 15 minutes or less with you. So, you know, yeah. Yes. 15 minutes or less. Yeah. So my approach is to offer hope, to be a good listener, to look at the whole person. Mm -hmm. Um, so the, the, the benefit of, of not being a doctor, honestly, like there were parts of me like, Oh, should I go back to like, should I go get my PhD or my doctor of occupational therapy? Maybe that, that might still be in the, in the yeah. cards, but, but then I thought, no, like my advantage is that I'm not a doctor right. because I, I can spend more than 15 mm -hmm. minutes with people. And usually the, 
initial consultations, like an hour and Mm -hmm. a half, at least sometimes two hours, because the story is really, really important. So we're looking, you know, how was your mom's health when she was pregnant with you? Mm -hmm. Like we go all the way back there. And, um, you know, we really, really look at the, at the whole person. Mm -hmm. Um, and what comes from the, the occupational therapy background is what we call the just right challenge. Um, kind of finding the the Goldilocks zone mm. and where you create an environment that matches the person's skills, motivation, um, all of mm-hmm. it, so that they are pushed just enough to continue to make progress and, um, you know, not too hard, not too easy. So it really takes time to get to know a person to make sure that we're always or as often as possible in that space of just right yeah. challenge. Nice. Um, I like that. Very yeah. personalized and tailored approach, which is what we need, right? Like I think I, I'm always careful. I try not to like poo poo on doctors too much, but sometimes I think maybe it comes across that way because I think doctors and medical practitioners, like just the culture is all wrong in my opinion. Like sometimes they can't see the forest for the trees most <laughs> of the time. And we need, sometimes we need to know a lot about a specific tree and there's value in that to continue with this metaphor, but we also need people (laughs) that can help us see the forest through all the trees. And that's what people like you and I do, I think, you know what I mean? Right. Exactly. And mostly what I hear from friends who are doctors is that their hands are tied with insurance, their, their productivity requirements. Mm -hmm. They can only spend 15 minutes with somebody. They get in trouble if they spend more time. Um, you know, even a friend who's a cardiologist who tried to work with a a dietitian nutritionist for her, for her patients, it, it wasn't covered by insurance if they didn't have diabetes, like for heart disease, it wouldn't be covered by insurance. Wow. She just like threw her hands up like and shook her head. Like, I I don't have time mm-hmm. to spend an hour with my patients to talk about diet. Yeah. But they need they need to stay away from the fast food and, and eat some more vegetables. Yeah. Um, well, and then so yeah, that's but why mostly it's it's the people get offended when doctors are like, You're just gonna come in here in 15 minutes and look at all my problems and tell me what I need to do is lose weight. And that's kind of offensive. But when you arrive at that, like, Mm -hmm. let's address all your lifestyle factors, it's not actually about losing weight. It's about the lifestyle factors that contribute to the poor health, which comes across like eat better food, which comes across like you just need to lose weight. But that's not – it's more nuanced than that. But you can't arrive at that nuance in 15 minutes. You just can't. Exactly right. Yeah. So it's, it's, we, we don't, we don't have to blame it on the doctors. Right. We can blame it on the system. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they don't have, they don't get the training for nutrition in, in medical school. I have really. as much a, formal training. It's a lecture in maybe. Nutrition as a medical doctor does. And I took one college class mm. on nutrition. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So is the just right challenge, is that like a, I don't know, I'm picturing like a yoga challenge. It's, is it free? Is it not free? Is it, how does that work? Oh, you know what I mean? okay. Like, so let's clarify. Yeah. So it's not actually a challenge. It is, it is a, a way of, um, engaging ah, with every single client work. Yeah. So yes, yes. The, the frame of reference is occupational adaptation by, um, Schultz and Scotty who Sally Schultz was my favorite professor in grad cool. school. Um, and yes, so it is, it is a way of, it, it is a framework. So it's not like a, a challenge, right, like, like sign up, do this know, in 30 days. Um, can or, we get to a hundred pushups? Yeah. At the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <Okay>. Exactly. <laughs> um, what I do have on my website that I offer is, is a quiz, which kind of gives people insight to their risks mm. for the potential for cognitive decline. That's really valuable. So it's just, you know, click on, it is, it is not, you know, a, a, a validated quiz. It yeah. is, it's just to kind of, to make it a little bit of lightheartedness, yeah. you know, like you're in a, I'll show my age, like 17 magazine oh, yeah. when I used to go through and do quizzes because quizzes are a little engaging. Yeah, you know? I like that magazine too. Um, so it asks about, yeah, it's still around. Yeah, it was when I was, I don't know, I was reading it when I was younger than 17, I think, but a preteen or whatever, you know. Um, yeah. So it, it asks questions about your sleep habits and your family history because um, family history does play a role, but it is not a determining factor. Like our lifestyle really is about 70% of the picture where our genetics are only 30% of the picture. Mm -hmm. So really what we do every day and the, what we're exposed to over our lifetime, it has much plays a bigger role. Yeah. yeah. So the quiz kind of touches on um, a bunch of areas and um, then it gets to the end, like, Oh, you're doing great. Keep going. Or, Let's let's check in and see what we can do to um, to maximize and optimize your 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 brain health by addressing toxins and inflammation and um, all of those many areas mm -hmm. that we can address that we have control over. Yeah. So, could you maybe give us a couple examples of some of your top tips for protecting brain health? Sure. Um, I just created a, a, a PDF that should be available on the website very soon. Nice. That, that will be helpful for people just to have a list. Mm -hmm. And it is, it is um, not an exhaustive list by any means, but um, again, I'm looking for the just right challenge. And if I put out the top 100 things you can do <laughs> to protect your brain, that's going to scare people right. off. So we're going to start with 10. Okay. Um, and feels good. And you can see, you know, which ones you want to do. Um, so the first one is avoid ultra processed foods. Mm -hmm. So these are things that are not like they were when they were grown mm -hmm. or they were never grown at all. So, um, you know, high fructose corn syrup is, 
is not a food that was grown. It was corn that was then processed and we want to stay away from Mm -hmm. it. Um, Even flour and sugar are, are in the processed and the ultra processed foods that is not good for our, our inflammatory response, not good for our brain. So the more we can eat food that is like it was when it was growing, the better. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no ingredient list on broccoli right. and spinach and cabbage. It's it's one thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the second thing on the list, and this is actually in no specific order, but um, is to be mindful because this can be a daunting. And um, like my first year, after my MS diagnosis, when we're living in fear, it's, it's not fun. Mm-hmm. It's, and, um, it's counterproductive. Right. So being mindful can, when we're really focused on the present moment, we're not worried about the future and fretting about the past. We're right here right now. And as whatever we can do to get into that space as often as possible, um, I recommend mm-hmm. it, whether that's yoga or meditation or a, just sitting and breathing for a minute or doing a, a mindful walk yeah. where we pay attention to the noise around us or that every time our foot hits mm-hmm. the pavement, just get out of our head for 30 seconds at a time. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Um, so that that's pretty high on the I love list that. to, you know, like, like that one minute of yoga that I experienced where I was like, oh my gosh. And, and I realized I only thought about what I'm doing right now at this moment. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> for a minute, there lies a whole the magic. <laughs> and that's what I think that's why I had to start a whole podcast mm-hmm. about it. Cause I was like trying to arrive at the <laughs> science of why it works. Like that's part of my story. Like I, I just, I'm like, I want to know, like, tell me what pose to do for what ailment. Like we can figure this out. There's gotta be a way <laughs> yeah. like, right. And so that was my journey. And that's why I even started this podcast. And I'm like, it kind of is as simple as just being in bo- embodied and more mindful as often as possible. And that right there, just that simple works for so many things. And the the research and scientific literature is catching up to that for various different ailments. They'll do a study and prove that just as simple as like mind-body connection, strengthening your skill of that is good for so many things. You're absolutely right. Thank you for doing what you're doing. I I love the science. It's a passion project for sure. And it's been a journey for me because I, in the beginning was like, we've got to like science is, you know, trace everything back to science. And it's been a journey for me to navigate, like being in the magic sometimes, you know, being on the more light, the more woo woo side and just being in that. And then also tracing it back to science. It's a journey, but. Perfect. Yeah. I'm happy for you and your journey. Thank you. And thank you for sharing your story with us. Is there. Any last little tips or insights or things that you want to highlight, like recover, last little thought you want to leave us with? Um, 
Recently, I did a whole month on a focus of mindset Mm -hmm. and I interviewed the people that were really important in my life. And what kept coming up was like, be your own best friend, like be your own best friend, like say things in your mind that you would Mm. say to, to cheer up your best friend or support your best friend. Um, and really your, your mindset plays such a strong influence in, on what you choose to do every day, on how you handle challenges, mm-hmm. you know, building resilience and, um, you know, dementia and Alzheimer's is just, is a heavy topic, mm-hmm. you know? So when you're thinking about brain health and, and pursuing, um, all that you can do to support your brain health, be your own best friend while you're doing mm-hmm. it, you know, um, that I, we just did the top two things of the, of the top 10 brain wellness tips. So jump on to the, the website, which is just root causeology.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is an E at the end of cause we, uh, okay. Like I will link know, it biology and anthropology. It's root causeology. Yeah. yeah. Make sure. So you can go there to do. Thank you so much, Rosemary. Nice. Um, so you can go there to do the quiz or to get the top 10 brain wellness. Awesome. Tips. Those are really fantastic resources. So thank you for sharing those with us and with the world. Thank you for being here and doing the work that you do. Thank you so much, Rosemary, for inviting me. It was a pleasure to get to talk with you today. Well, that's it for today, friends. Thanks for joining me. I am sincerely glad you're here. I'm glad if you stuck around until the end, I'm glad to be back. Um, yeah, we're just going to have a soft startup. I've got a few new episodes already planned to come out your way. I'm going to be getting back to it real soon here. I was actually waiting until I had some more episodes built up to release and I'm just glad y'all are back. If you have any, you know, feedback or episode ideas that you'd love to hear about, I'd love to hear about it. If you want to email me rosemary at yogiscopes.com or find me on Instagram at yogiscopes, Y-O-G-I-S-C-O-P-E-S. I'm so grateful to you for being here. Those of you that are hearing this episode, that means you're either probably subscribe if you're hearing it right when it comes out and you're sticking around to the end, it means you're probably subscribed to my email list and you got the notification that way, or you're subscribed to the podcast and you got the notification that way. Either way, I'm super glad that you're tuning in. I'm glad that you're here. Please remember to always keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars and stay in the light. Have a wonderful rest of your day, friends. 